This is 128 Bits, a podcast about the most influential period of video games, what is known as the sixth generation, the 128-bit generation. On every episode, we will discuss one standout title from the generation and talk about its greatness, including its critical reception at the time, our favorite things, its legacy, and even what it would look like today. On today's episode, I'm joined by Joseph, and we're going to talk about the greatest dolphin-centered video game of all time. Echo the Dolphin, Defender of the Future. So, how are you, Joseph? I'm doing okay. Um, your unnatural obsession with this game has never hurt me more than it did this week. I gotta say that much. <laughs> yeah, I think a little bit of background here is that um, I, I suggested this game. I really wanted to talk about this game because I was very obsessed with this game. It's, it's a very, um, I consider it a very unique game and a type of game that doesn't really exist anymore. Um, and I was really into it at the time, and uh, I'm a little less into it now, but <laughs> <laughs> but still, I was very much into it. So a little bit of background, Echo the Dolphin Defender of the Future was released for the Dreamcast on September 10th of the year 2000, and would later on be ported to the PS2, but we'll be talking about it as a Dreamcast game mostly during this podcast. The Echo franchise itself, because yes, it is a franchise, <laughs> was created by Ed Annunziata, um, and was developed by Appaloosa Interactive. So Ed was a guy who worked internally for Sega, overseeing a lot of titles. Like he oversaw the Spider-Man um, Genesis game and a couple of the Genesis hockey games. And um, but his big his like dream franchise was this game based on a dolphin. Um, and he teamed he got it approved by Sega, and he teamed up with Appaloosa Interactive, which was a Hungarian development company which at the time of the first Echo game was known as Novo Trade. Did and, they do all of them? Uh, yeah, they did all of them. Okay. Um, and what, what's unique about them is that they were kind of like the big Hungarian um, development house. So there was a lot of like really talented Eastern European software engineers that if they wanted to work in the video game industry, that was the one place they could go. So it kind of makes sense that Echo had a lot of things about it that were like really cool. Like even the old Genesis ones, they had really cool graphics and movements and like sine wave based movements and stuff like that, because it was like super serious software engineers that that was the only place that they could go work on video games. So Ed Anunziata found them somehow and uh, helped them create Echo. Now, Defender of the Future, though, which is this game, the last game in the series, unfortunately wasn't headed by Ed Anunziata. But it was still developed by Appaloosa. But it's kind of missing that that touch of the initial creator. It'd be like a Mario game that doesn't have Miyamoto involved with it, right? Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. So this game itself, um, it's kind of hard to describe because it's sort of a 3D puzzle adventure game, but it's set entirely in the ocean. Well, for the most part, in the ocean. <laughs> and you take the role of a dolphin. Um, the universe of this game is strange, to put it lightly, because it's a society wherein humans and dolphins coexist as equals. And uh, dolphins hid their sentience from humans for millennia. Admittedly, they're hiding it right now. <laughs> Until at some point, they revealed the extent of their sentience to humans, and then they became partners in ruling the planet slash exploring the galaxy. Uh, so both dolphins and humans, they have a cutscene at the beginning of the game where it shows them exploring the universe. And the means in which they explore is not through like a rocket or a spaceship or anything like that. It's these air bubbles that encapsulate both <laughs> dolphins and humans naked and they just float up into space. So that's how 
that's the universe of Echo the Dolphin. Um, narrated by Tom Baker. Yeah, it was the, <laughs> the narration of this game is really good, uh, but just the the whole concept of a human dolphin coexistent cooperative society is is very strange. <laughs> um, it actually always reminded me of whenever I saw or whenever I read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I don't know if you've read it. No. Um, there's this scene where uh, like Earth is scheduled for demolition by some aliens, right? And when that's happening, the humans are like, well, we didn't know about this. How are we going to get out? And at the same time, the dolphins reveal that they've been sentient the whole time and they just take off. <laughs> and they have this song that they sing uh, that's called Goodbye and Thanks for All the Fish. <laughs> and they just take off. So this kind of like always reminded me about that. Uh, but the two are not connected. I've never trusted dolphins. That might be some of my apprehension to, towards this game. They always look kind of smug, right? People think they're yeah. friendly, but there's something about them that makes them look kind of smug. <laughs> Maybe it was that episode of King of the Hill, too, that I just never trusted them. <laughs> the whole conceit of the game is that there's this intergalactic alien race called the Foe, which hate humans and dolphins and want to put a stop to them coexisting. So they come and attack... And the means in which they do so is by traveling back in time and trying and prevent dolphins from ever coming out as sentient to humans and turning them against each other, like turning humans and dolphins against each other. Uh, this is where our hero Echo comes in. He is the defender of the future because he travels back in time to stop the foe. <laughs> Uh, and that's a real story. <laughs> that's the real story of a dolphin-based video game released for the Dreamcast in the year 2000. <laughs> it's a strange game. It, I'll, I'll admit it. It's a very strange game. And that is a big part of why I liked it. Because it was just so weird. Like, you really couldn't believe what was happening as you were playing it. Yeah, I I didn't play it at the time. I just remember talking to you about it all the time. Like, why do you like this game about a dolphin? And But as we were prepared to do this, I started watching the Let's Plays. And I was like, yeah, okay, dolphins, blah, blah, blah. And then once the alien, like, the in the in the opening intro and there's aliens, I was like, wait, what? And then in the second act, when the aliens come back, I'm like, what is happening here? <laughs> No, yeah, and it just gets crazier, and it gets significantly harder, but, like, if the first part is enough to kind of lure you in, you're probably going to stick around for the rest of the game, even though it's it, at times it can be a very frustrating game, but the weirdness of it all is what always kept propelling me forward. It's just like, where where, where did this story come from? <laughs> it doesn't make much sense, and uh, but it's I consider it hard sci-fi, like, legitimate sci-fi, because... I mean, you have a human dolphin existence, and despite the fact that they're saying that humans and dolphins coexist, you never ever see a human anywhere yeah. in this fight. It's all echo, and it's all other sea creatures and stuff like that. So it, yeah. it's very weird. Yeah, I was watching it, and my wife was like, "What are you watching?" At the point where like the the aliens come and strip them of their nobility and humility, and I was like, "Oh my god, this person loves dolphins." Yeah, there is there is a big um. So it's like it's the characteristics that make uh, human that make dolphins like unique, and it's like intelligence, humility, compassion. Um, what is the other one? Uh, I think it was nobility. Yeah, for sure. it's just like if they have um, unbridled, uh, mo not like motivation, ambition. If they have ambition yeah. without <laughs> compassion and nobility, it's just like it's all over. So one of the things is. 
the foe just leave them their ambition and they get rid of their compassion and that, that causes chaos and it's just weird yeah <laughs> it, it like it highlights dolphins as the perfect beings and um they're really the key to saving the earth not the humans in terms of critical reception echo got overall positive reviews it got an 84 metascore like on metacritic um, Daily Radar gave it a perfect score, highlighting the fluid, gorgeous gameplay. And GamePro, which is my favorite video game magazine from the time, um, also gave it a perfect score, saying, quote, it is rare that a game this difficult could be this entertaining, end quote. Um, IGN gave it a 76, so they were a little bit rougher. They talked about how the in-game hints were cryptic and misleading, Um because as it got harder, it got really hard to decipher exactly what you were doing, especially with the limited mechanics of being a dolphin. <laughs> and uh, apparently Maxim Online, the magazine, the men's entertainment magazine, used to do video game reviews. <laughs> and they were the harshest critic of this game. They gave this game a 60. And I went on the Wayback Machine and found the original uh, review for this game. Um, and it's just a tiny little paragraph that I thought would be good to read because it gives you... Um, that it gives you a view into how video games were seen at the time of the year 2000, uh, especially by a, a publication like Maxim, which is like just having centerfolds and looks for the America's hottest college girl or whatever it is they were doing at the time. <laughs> so this was written by Avi Fryman for Maxim Online. He said, quote, tired of games in which all you do is dismember opponents and blow crap up. Neither are we. But this environment-friendly adventure game offers enough twists to make us take the bait. As Echo, the most heroic dolphin since Flipper, you zip through 3D seascapes from cloning labs to the psychedelic ruins of Atlantis, populated with coral and turtles so realistic you'll mistake your TV for a glass-bottom boat. But your real porpoise, er, purpose is to thwart time-traveling pirates, to collect clues you'll ram bloodthirsty sharks and use sonar to stun bad guys. You can even become invisible, which means you shouldn't have to jump through hoops for minnows at SeaWorld ever again. End quote. So, yeah. <laughs> it's like nothing about the actual game. Yeah, it's nothing just about trying to it. write as many puns as he could. Yeah, they just put as, uh, like uh, dolphin puns or sea puns in there and talk about how it's kind of like this viewpoint of games at the time, right? Where it's just like, oh, they're getting cool because they're violent. Games are cool because they're violent. Yeah. Like, we're not tired of that, right? But yeah, we're going to take the bait with this fish game or whatever. Um, but they were the harshest critics of uh, that I could find for Echo the Dolphin at the time. Overall, it was positively reviewed. And I think it's because it had a lot of goodwill because Echo was a historic franchise. And it was kind of beloved, like... The Genesis titles were were cult classics and there was always a desire for it. There was like a tech demo for the Sega Saturn that had Echo the Dolphin and everyone always kept waiting for the next Echo game and it just never came until it finally came on the Dreamcast early on in the life cycle. And um, yeah, a lot of reviews just talk about how great the graphics are and how good it feels to swim around as a 3D dolphin, which uh, honestly, it was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was like one of those, it was one of those side games, like Nintendo had Metroid and stuff like that. It wasn't like the uh, um, Sonic or anything like that. Yeah, it wasn't like the flagship franchise, but it was always, it, it was around at least. In terms of sales, I couldn't really find any uh, solid information on how it did. Um, it didn't make Sega All-Stars, which is like that greatest hits thing. Um 
But as of the recording of this, I could find a version of the Dreamcast game for $11, just the loose disc, and <laughs> 45 bucks unsealed. So it really wasn't that popular, um, but it's also not obscure because you like looking for other Dreamcast games of this era that are a little more obscure, obscure can get pretty expensive. Like we're talking like in the hundreds of bucks. So, Dang. and I don't remember anyone else owning Echo the Dolphin. <laughs> I think I was the only one that I knew with Echo, as opposed to like Virtual Tennis, which everyone that had a Dreamcast had Virtual Tennis. <laughs> uh, so a couple of behind the scenes or trivia about it. Um, like I said before, this game is the last game of the Echo franchise, and it's the only one that the creator, Ed Anunziata, didn't work on. So it's missing a little bit of that secret sauce. Um, there was a planned sequel. Apparently, the working title for it was Echo 2 Sentinels of the Universe, which is a pretty awesome title. <laughs> and work went on for it well into 2001. There's also a leaked GD-ROM tech demo or like early work that was uploaded by a group of game preservationists named Hidden Palace. And it shows that work like on the game was dated all the way up until February 19, 2001 which is like a month after the Dreamcast was officially not supported, <laughs> meaning that this game, Echo 2, could have very well been the last Dreamcast game being actively worked on, maybe, or at least the last public one. Um, That's pretty cool. Yeah. Just cared about it that much. Yeah. They're like, and, no, the Dreamcast is still alive to us. <laughs> yeah, and you can find uh, like YouTube clips of of this out there and it looks a little it looks exactly the same as the first one if anything it looks a little bit smoother or that could just be because it came straight from like the dev console and not like a dreamcast capture mm -hmm. um but it's just all it's all this debug mode of like it has all of these log outputs on the screen it's like texture missing and it always has the frames per second countering in the in the back so it's like always at 30 frames per second or just around there and i wish there would have been a sequel <laughs> So another thing is the game was later ported to the PS2 where it was technically distributed as a first party title in Europe because it was distributed <laughs> by Sony Computer Entertainment Europe, which is kind of cool that it was published by both Sega and Sony, like within two years of each other. It was like a Sega game and then an official Sony game. Um, so I just thought that was cool. Was it ported after the Dreamcast was dead? Yeah, it, it got ported in 2002. Okay. And in the U.S., it got published by Acclaim, but in Europe, it got published by Sony, which is just pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, the Bonker story was written by sci-fi author David Brin, who was brought in late in the development cycle to try and come up with something that would tie all these loose and different environments together. And also because he had written about intelligent dolphins in his own sci-fi universe, something called the Uplift Universe. So I think you may have been right when you said this guy really likes dolphins. <laughs> so the yeah. creator, the creators had like a whole game built out pretty much, and they were like, "Oh crap, how do we tie all of this together?" <laughs> and they reached out to a sci-fi author that loved dolphins to come up with something. <laughs> yeah, when I was reading that and said that he had already been writing about dolphins in his own like on his own, I was like, "What? This is the <laughs> only guy who loves dolphins as much as Rod loved this game." <laughs> I kind of wanted to look into this uplift universe just to see what it was like. Um, but I couldn't find anything or I couldn't find anything free and I didn't want to buy it. Uh, yeah. I guess I really wasn't going to read it. I didn't want to take money from him. <laughs> Let's get into the questions. So the first question is, what is your favorite thing about this game, Joseph? 
Um, honestly, the only thing that I really liked about this game was the music. It was super good, and it was something that I could hear myself going back to in my spare time. Um, it was just super, I mean, it's ambient and, like, calming. It's just very, it goes very well with, like, the theme of just, not the, the sci-fi craziness of it, but more like the, I'm playing as a dolphin in the ocean kind of theme. Yeah, I remember the music being very calming and yeah like you said like it was all this ambient stuff um for me the feeling of swimming as echo was very very fun i don't there was times when i wouldn't really progress through the story i would just kind of turn it on and swim around especially like the opening level where you're in this calm um coral reef like situation and you're just swimming around and i remember just jumping out of the water and flipping around as echo or there was this thing where you could do like the back the backwards standing up type pedaling back that they do at sea world <laughs> <laughs> yeah i will say that eventually i think i i did come to find that uh, like as i was watching anyways like oh i was like okay this must be the charm of it like the same way that i would plug in uh tony hawk and just mm -hmm. like ride around without anything to do just doing tricks and stuff like that the guy who i was watching loved to do that too he would jump in and do like backflips and like the not barrel rolls but like almost 360 flips with echo and i was like okay like i can i can kind of get this i guess where like it seems i mean just just like uh something you can just do for a little while and not have to worry about doing anything yeah yeah and total you could totally see that there was a little bit more care placed into the movements of dolphins as opposed to like the movements of all the other creatures because <laughs> echo moves really well like you can kind of tell there's different points of articulation on his tail and his like he, he just moves really well and it's 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 rewarding to move around as him and then you would see like the sea turtles that were just kind of like sliding across the screen and you were just like oh that that kind of breaks the illusion so even back then i remember thinking the graphics were very good up to a point yeah. But the feeling, I mean, the feeling of it was very good. Yeah. Echo himself like looks really good. And then he like, there was one point where he comes up to another, or there's, I mean, no, obviously he goes talk to a bunch of different dolphins, but there's one like point where the camera shifted when I was watching it and it showed him next to the dolphin that he was talking to, as opposed to in front of. Mm. And I was like, that dolphin looks like crap. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. It, uh, they put so much care into the main dolphin, into Echo. Um, and it, 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 it's rewarding. That was my favorite part. My favorite part about it was just being a dolphin. So, <laughs> so maybe me and uh, what's his name? Uh, David Brin. Yeah, David Brin have a lot more in common. Than I think. <laughs> maybe um, you are David Brin in another way. <laughs> uh, second question. What is the standout moment of this game for you, Joseph? Um, yeah, I'd never played, like I said, I never played this game originally for a multitude of reasons, not the least of which it's a game where you play as a freaking dolphin. <laughs> um, but I will say that like the playthrough, it all seemed like, like I said, it, was, it seemed like a boring, like dolphin game. And I was like, why does Rad love this game as much? And then the aliens come in and I was like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> and then like in the second act, Echo turns into a freaking alien ship and shoots down the spaceship. It was like, it went from weird like obscure dolphin game to a regular show episode in like <laughs> like to, uh, zero to 11 like just like that it was insane yeah there's this that's i think that's the craziest part of it um 
and the the narration of it is just like echo used the power of metamorphosis or something <laughs> yeah. like that and yeah. he turns from a dolphin into an alien ship and, <laughs> and like you're playing panzer dragoon because he starts shooting down at stuff as like this could you control the spaceship it didn't look like you could in the sequence that no I no you couldn't but it's just like you just see this intergalactic stingray yeah. <laughs> <It's> echo <laughs> and he's like shooting down um the alien ships and I think that's a, that's something that always stood out to me too is just like how much weirder can this thing get and um you're just you're traveling through time you're restoring the gifts of humility and <laughs> and <laughs> compassion to dolphins and humans and things like that but for me I I knew I was in for a wild ride from the very beginning because the intro video is super like I I think like I describe it as hard sci-fi because the intro the intro video is talking about these this civilization of for 500 years humans and uh, dolphins have coexisted and explored the galaxy and then they show these bubbles <laughs> in space with yeah. with humans and dolphins like floating through the galaxy and whatever and then it transitions into echo in the reef swimming around <laughs> jumping and flipping <laughs> like, and i remember just being like are these is this the same game like <laughs> yeah totally and so you can see how like they had to bring in this guy because there was maybe it was even just separate teams all together that also had a dolphin game working <laughs> yeah, yeah you know that's that's the thing too they were um kind of spread out although i think there was a team in the u.s there was a team in hungary <laughs> and the communication wasn't that wasn't that good between them <laughs> the guys in the u.s are like no it has to be an alien game because like why would anybody play a dolphin game <laughs> the guys in the hungry were just like people love dolphins yeah I, i'm pretty sure that had something to do with it because that <laughs> shift especially right at the beginning is so weird yeah where you're just like where where is this going where what is happening here um but then you're like you have this fun dolphin that you can do flips with and you can just relax while this ambient soundtrack goes on. And um, I, I, that that was a standout moment for me. That dissonance is established very early on and it keeps up throughout the entire game. And again, it's just, it, it, I am, I'm kind of a fan of weird things that like as long as there's conviction behind something weird and you're really going for it, I'm probably going to like it. If you're being weird for the sake of like trying to get a reaction out of people, I won't. But it seemed like there was some conviction, at least behind yeah, the sure. story, where it's just like, oh, yeah, dolphins could totally rule a civilization if they reveal they're <laughs> smart or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, I don't remember when we when when we were younger playing this, you ever telling me about the aliens. And maybe that was why I was like, just like, why does he like this dolphin game? <laughs> To be honest, I think probably I thought it was too weird to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Because it, it was, it, I, even my reaction, like at one point, I think when he traveled through time the first time, I was like, what is, this is so, I, I turned, like I saved and turned it off. I was like, I don't want to keep playing this <laughs> for a little bit. Um, the third question, what is the worst part of this game for you, Joseph? And I understand you didn't play it, but do you have any opinion that sticks out to you as the worst? Um... I mean, other than being a video game about a dolphin. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the only thing that I could really tell that seemed really bad from what I was playing, because it seemed like the guy was having a dif was having some difficulty too, was the controls. And there was even one, the first one that I found 
it was a YouTube playlist. It's like four, like 14 hours. I was like, are you serious? I'm not going to watch this game for 14 hours. <laughs> the second one was a little better. It was only like six. But um, yeah, the quote that I found on it, just when I was going through some different reviews, and I think I was going through like user reviews, it was a graphical dream stuck in a gameplay nightmare. Mm. And um, yeah, like it just seems so difficult to control. And maybe it was also the controller from what I was reading too, because like, the way that you do 3D controls and the joy the uh, Dreamcast didn't have two joysticks, did it? No, no, it only had one. It only had yeah, one on the left. So see, that seems so hard to control. I wonder if on the PS2 it was a much better, but yeah, it it did not look very fluid to play. And I I think this generation is the one that suffered the most from control from control schemes. Because mm. um, there's another game that I think is in our list and we'll get to later that like I love the game, but I went back and played it recently and. A port of it and oh man it's controls almost made me want to throw my controller through a window and it made me like dislike the game much more than i remember liking it mm. to me the worst thing about this game is that it was a hard game like as it got later on throughout the game like as you progressed it got so hard and a big part of it was the controls it was really hard to maneuver echo through certain puzzles and find out even what to do in certain puzzles. So the controls could have helped a lot more. And I do agree with you. I think at this era, there was still like, so the N64 um, and PlayStation era were the first to have like 3D cameras, Mm -hmm. but you couldn't really use them that well. Like Crash Bandicoot is one of the, one of the best games of that era. And it was good to play because at times they would limit the camera. So yeah. like the camera was placed in front of you and that's that was it. Or the camera was placed on the side and it became a little side scroller and stuff like that. Or like whereas like you on the chase sequences. Yeah, whereas like Mario 64, you could always control the camera. And honestly, sometimes that was the hardest part about it for me. Yeah. yeah. Um and and I think this era was like still kind of building on that, especially on a game like Echo. It it got it, it was a point where it was really hard. And uh, it took me a long time to beat it, like a really, really long time. And there was times where I had to like step away from the game and come back. And then I'd have to get used to the controls all over again because they were they're, like they were kind of hard to do specific things. Like there was this one puzzle where I was like circling lasers in like a pipe or something. I remember <sighs> I remember dying at that thing so many times because I just couldn't get the angles right. And I'd run into the side and stuff like that. So yeah, the controls were the worst part paired with the difficulty of the game as it got. And it wasn't it wasn't a rewarding difficulty until you got to the story and you're just like, oh, great. Now I, I compassion is back. Or something. <laughs> <clears throat> How did the game age? That's the fifth, the fourth question. And what parts of it age the best slash worst? What do you think, Joseph? In retrospect, the story is is interesting enough that I think it would like pull people back in, um, in terms of aging, like looking wise, I think it looks, it looks really good. Um, or at least aspects of it definitely look really good. And that's, that's what kind of surprised me the most when I was playing it, like playing it under, like when you're underwater, the water looks like it flows so smoothly. Mm. Um, and it just, it must've been, like I can only imagine for that time, like, because whenever we see tech demos, it's always like water or fire, right? <laughs> yeah. And so like this, this must have been just insane for the time and the the um era at that point. But like, yeah, it just looks like 
it looks like water and like when you're in it the whole time it's kind of different when he pops out and you can see like the the break in there because the camera will mess it up or something yeah um but even then like if you're doing the tail walk and you have the camera just on the water like that looks not like really nice and smooth too so i'd I'd say it it ages okay definitely like there's games now on ios that have much more processing power um that don't even look as good as this yeah, I think the best thing that, like, what H the best is Echo himself. Um, just the animations, the care that went into him, like, looking smooth, because that that's hard to do even now, right? So I think the fact that he looks convincing and smooth and just good and he feels good, I think that's mm-hmm. that, that aged really well. What aged the worst for me was the loading screens. And I have, <laughs> I guess I got spoiled now because... Like even playing a big game like Ghost of Tsushima, which is like this big open open world samurai game. It's like the last first party title for the PS4 or whatever. There are essentially no loading screens. Even when you fast travel to like a location that's halfway across the map, it'll load in like three seconds, which is insane. That's and cool. uh, I popped in Echo and even just like, after the intro FMV loads where they introduce the world and then you go into the the training level, there's a loading screen and you're just like <laughs> sitting there and it takes a while. Like I had forgotten how long loading screens used to take, right? Yeah. Um, yeah I, I was think- reading this one was super long too because they like they loaded the entire environment, just kind of like what you're seeing now. But a lot of games didn't do that then. They would just cheat and they'd render it like as you got closer to it. Yeah, I I remember seeing something like that. And I I guess that makes sense as to why it would take so long. And the other thing, too, is that it it was kind of like semi-open world-ish because you could swim for a long, long time without colliding with other stuff, at least in the intro level. Maybe Mm -hmm. that was the biggest level. Um, But I think just that whole feel of it didn't age very well because right now this would be an open world game like easily. Yeah. And just that the whole levels, the gated aspect of it feels like that is the thing that, that didn't, that didn't age well. And I think that's the same for almost any title of this type in this generation, like, or even the past generation, like I'm thinking Mega Man legends would be an open world game right now, instead of having those fake, um, gates where you can't go out of certain <laughs> levels. Um, so that that didn't age well at all. Just the the fact that you can only explore this area and until you unlock it. And then once you unlock it, you can't ever go back to the previous era. Yeah, area. that's the thing is you can't really go back. I was going to say, I was as you were saying that, I was going to say like a lot of games these days, at least the open world ones, and t- until I can retire and like dedicate myself to games and not have responsibilities are too much game for me almost. So I'll, I'll even avoid some games, but like the not being able to go back is the the one thing that I don't like about this generation because, and maybe it's like, did I like this generation so much? Those games, like the first Assassin's Creed where you do have to open up stuff slowly. Mm. Like I, I like games like that personally. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, I, I don't think I would say there are certain games where it would have been better if they were like open world, but that's, that's just the stage in technology where we were at, right. Where oh, yeah. we just couldn't have that yet. Um, but you know, I agree with you too that a lot of games today are too much game. Here's so for example, Red Dead Redemption 2. I actually finished that game, but what I had to do was because I don't have enough time 
to uh, devote to video game playing anymore. I turned it to easy mode because <laughs> it's just uh, like, I want to get the story. I want to see what they did. I want to see what they built. I want to explore this world, but I don't really want to master gun duels and explore yeah. all of these mechanics and stuff like that. So I think younger me would have been upset with that, but <laughs> I got through the whole story and I cried at the end. So younger me wouldn't have experienced that. <laughs> but younger you didn't have any money, so you can shut up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, he could have played it for another 60 hours or whatever. So, uh, yeah, I think other than that, the graphics, the one thing about the graphics that didn't age well, um, I would say is the draw distance. And yeah. um, just kind of looking back at clips of it, you just couldn't see very far. And granted, in the ocean, you wouldn't have the same draw distance as out in the in the real world or in the air. But I, I feel like that's just a crutch as to the limitations of the game engine or whatever. But it, it just you couldn't see very far ahead. So that's the one aspect of the graphics that makes them look dated or the biggest aspect that makes them look dated, I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you can and you like as you see these polygons starting to come into shape and then start rendering when you get closer like that. Yeah, that is that it's pretty obvious when you're playing. Um, and the last thing that I think, or or the thing that I aged that I think aged the best is the story. <laughs> the story was as the story was crazy back then, and it's crazy now. And I think anyone who's into animal sci-fi, like the Animorphs kids or whatever, <laughs> they would eat this up and just be super into it. The fifth question: What is the legacy of this game? So, Joe, what do you think is the legacy of Echo the Dolphin? I mean. I don't really think there is one. Just given like Sega's also like their their legacy. Maybe as Sega goes, as Echo goes, Sega goes. Because mm. Echo went away and then Sega kind of went away too. At least more <laughs> like they're not gone, but they're not really like a big company anymore. This was their last their last generation, and if they couldn't make Echo work and Echo as beloved as he was originally, maybe that was not a good uh, forebearer of things to come. Yeah, I agree with you. I to a certain extent, I think Sega was always the weird one. And like I said, <laughs> I've always been attracted to like weirdness when it's earnest. And so Sega did things like Echo the Dolphin. Sega did things like Toe Jam and Earl, right? Toe Sega Jam and Earl, Sega yeah. did things like Space Channel 5 or Jet Grind Radio or yeah. you, you get what I mean? Like it was these weird they titles. They took chances. Yeah, they took chances. They they did things that were quote unquote brave or at the very least weird um and i would say for me at least the legacy is that this is the last old school sci-fi video game that has existed um nowadays it's just like the sci-fi has to be marketable i don't know i'm thinking like um halo no the uh mass oh, effect mass effect yeah, yeah yeah like even like mass effect which is admittedly hard sci-fi right it, it's it's marketable it has a likable hero it has you know sex or whatever yeah um this is just and it's like rivaling alien races like always trying to wipe each other out or something like that. yeah spaceship battles or whatever like that this, this is kind of has but it's not as like they weren't trying to kill the dolphins. They just wanted to strip them out of there. Or at least they, the way they went about it wasn't like going in and shooting dolphins. It was yeah. like, all right, let's let them destroy themselves kind of like 
yeah. more deep than that. Let's get rid of their compassion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See what I mean? Like it's it's the type of sci-fi that you find in those old uh, like Asimov magazines or something like that. It's it's a type of sci-fi that the grimy dude at school is into. You know what I mean? It's it's the weird sci-fi, and yeah. this was a video game of that, and. Um, I don't think this game gets made in exactly the same way anymore today. Um, and I don't think if this game gets made today, I don't think it would get good reviews like it did back then. Because no. people would have been like, this story is strange, right? Or this story is problematic or whatever. Yeah, it'd be much more of like a cult classic than anything. Yeah, definitely. Because it got overall mainstream success. Like the big magazines at the time enjoyed it. Like the big magazines at the time gave it good reviews and I don't think that happens with that today. So that's what I consider to be its its legacy. And maybe I'm a little bit more ignorant of the future generations just because there more, there's more games now. Um, so I'm not saying that there's no sci-fi games out there that are of this ilk. But I'm just saying that you wouldn't see them pushed by a first-party development, uh, by a first-party publisher in the same way that Echo was by Sega and then by Sony Computer Europe right later on yeah yeah i agree and the other thing is i think the legacy is of uh non-human yet inter like in a human world type protagonists you know what i mean because it's one thing to be like to have a non-human protagonist in a non-human world right like that that happens all the time i'm talking like ratchet and clank right this mm -hmm. thing in a non-human world but Echo was in a human world. Like his world looks like ours until he gets to space or whatever. But even then, <laughs> no, it's, it's even still here. Yeah. Yeah. It's admittedly like our world, yet you're playing a dolphin. And I think there's very few games where you do that. Um, the only one, the only modern one that I could think of like that and their weird games are, for example, Octopus Dad. I don't know if you played that one. Yeah, I haven't played it, but I've seen it enough. Or for example, Untitled Goose Games. Right? <laughs> Untitled Goose Game. You play a goose that can't do anything extra goose. <laughs> like, you can only do what a goose can do. <laughs> and he's interacting in a human world. Um, and Echo can't do anything that a dolphin can't do except turn into, metamorphosize into an alien ship. Uh, but I, I think that's the legacy of it. It's just like one of the great non-human characters in a human world video game. <laughs> yeah. I just, as you can tell, I really like this game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like, it's definitely unique for sure. Yeah. <laughs> the sixth question, is this I, the peak? Oh, go for it. I was going to say, I have a much a much bigger appreciation for it now than than then for sure. I was more <laughs> like that Maxim review of like, no, what's, where are we going to blow shit up? Other than Virtue Attendance, it's like, where are we going to blow shit up? <laughs> <laughs> You're the Maxim. Well, to be fair, at that time, we were probably Maxim's target audience, right? The, uh, I don't think so. Teen? I think we were probably like lower than, <laughs> like younger than Maxim's target audience. But yeah, maybe. The ones that definitely branched out into. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The sixth question. Is this the peak for any of the studios or generation? Like, is it the best of anything? What do you think? Um, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I mean, definitely the best dolphin game ever made. <laughs> but uh, Appaloosa um, also did some other stuff that I liked. When I, I was trying to look at them, I was like, 
wondering what what else they might have done. They did the um, South Park first person shooter for PlayStation and Nintendo sixty four, which if you remember, every gun had a secondary fire. Like um, the snowballs became yellow snowballs, and <laughs> you could make people like dance and sing with the cow launcher and stuff like that. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> Um, they also did the Simpsons arcade and, uh, I, they did Castlevania, the first one. I don't, th- I think it was just a port to, um, Amiga personal computers, mm. but they worked on some pretty good stuff. So I don't think that this is the peak that the studio did anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess, and I mean, obviously it wasn't enough to save the Dreamcast. So I, I don't think this is the peak for anything really. <laughs> yeah, other than I, Dolphin games. Yeah, other, other than Dolphin games. I think this is the peak sea life uh, game or the sea exploration game. But I don't really think there's any other ones. Yeah. There's a couple where you um, you were like a scuba diver or something like that. I think there's like some SeaWorld games, isn't there? <laughs> I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I think Blackfish canceled any and all SeaWorld uh, content. <laughs> but definitely peak dolphin game. And uh, sad that there hasn't been another one. Uh, but maybe there should be based on, what's his name? Dan's... <laughs> ultimate life or whatever yeah david brin's uplift universe that is <laughs> yearning to be turned into a video game and hopefully yeah. someone does after listening to this you gotta work on it dude no one's gonna do it if you don't do it call <laughs> up all the people from Appaloosa and see if they're still got their passion behind them. yeah all the all the hungarian dolphin fans out there <laughs> and the seventh and last question how would this game work or look like in 2020 what do you think joe um, I think it would look exactly the same, except obviously be a little more like graphical or like graphically advanced. Um, but yeah, like we've been saying, I don't think this game gets made uh, anymore. Um, if it did, it would definitely be a mobile game with like a 10 person team. I think it'd be <laughs> like one of those ocean horn, um, like the iOS Zelda ripoff, like a low budget game. There's no way it would be a triple title or get any sort of resources behind it. I think, I think you're, you're right, but if it would, if it would have first party resources, <laughs> um, I think it would just be like this gorgeous open world underwater exploration type. I would strip all of the alien invasion aspects of it and kind of just force it to be an underwater uh, echo saving the ocean type of game. Yeah. Where you like go up and, and ram like deep sea trawlers or disable an oil platform or something like yeah, that yeah yeah make it more like about climate change definitely than aliens yeah i think that i think that would be cool i i would think the graphics would be amazing just because i'm thinking of i like whenever i like you said whenever i see a tech demo it's usually water or fire and whenever mm-hmm. i see water so realistically portrayed I'm like, ooh, Echo, <laughs> Echo, would, look so <laughs> Echo would look great here. There's a there's a website that recently they posted on Reddit where it's just like, oh, you can have fluid dynamics on your on your desktop, and you like press a button, and it'll make like colorful water show up and spin around realistically or whatever. Mm. And then I was thinking like, oh man, I really was thinking a dolphin <laughs> would look so cool here, like Echo would look so cool here. That's so um, funny. But it would be this amazing open world game where you are saving the planet or saving the oceans and Echo takes over a pod and you have multiple dolphins that you're commanding around like hey, like in, in big combat missions or whatever they would be called. <laughs> no, I'm thinking like Assassin's Creed Echo, like underwater. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> like or In Brotherhood when you send out like dol- uh, other assassins and stuff like that. Yeah, like you send uh, as a side mission you or uh, as like a side game, you could send out dolphins to go do your bidding. Yeah, that would that would be awesome and then i would um, actually play that <laughs> yeah and 
then like think of like back then the big thing was like the tail the tail dancing or whatever it was called but i don't know if you've seen those um planet earth um i think it was planet earth or blue planet one of those where they show that dolphins actually surf like on the waves <laughs> so that would be really cool to do with like a ps5 or even ps4 generation level to just have like dolphin surfing as part of your game um that i i really think it would be really cool it would be really relaxing it would be mindful because it would force you to be there and now i just i'm still obsessed with this game and i think i think you got me much more sold on it now than ever before (laughs) than like when we were younger for sure yeah i just think it would be perfect i think being a dolphin is equivalent to like flying, right? Everyone's everyone wants to fly, but being underwater and being able to move that well and being able to be that smart and being able to surf and stuff like that, just that makes for a great feeling game more so than anything. And I would love for a first party title, something like, yeah, like a big open world, save the ocean as Echo, um, published by Sega, developed by naughty dog <laughs> something like that <laughs> granted it would never happen it would probably be an ios game or something small and it would be not as good as my dream yeah but it could happen maybe i'm maybe i'm manifesting out manifesting it out <laughs> into the world and i know i know i know for a fact that there are other people who feel the same way <laughs> somebody from Appaloosa is going to hear this and be like we got to get the band back together <laughs> Yeah, that that would be amazing. I would uh, I would set up a GoFundMe and I would give up to thirty five dollars American to make that, <laughs> which is a lot. It's a lot. So, any last words on Echo the Dolphin or anything that you learned about it or anything that you learned about this, like reflected in this era about Echo the Dolphin? Uh, I did like the way that they changed gameplay styles, and I think that was the that was a thing in this era, like you were talking about with Crash. Well, I guess Crash was right before, but I know that the the later Crash games did this more, where you do like side scrolling or platforming, and then like you're there's like the chase sequences and stuff like that. Um, the like because the side scroll side scrolling sequences that you go into this one are look pretty cool. Like they look way more interesting than the rest of the gameplay, personally to me. <laughs> yeah. Even though you couldn't really discern what environment would kill you and what wouldn't, I would see this guy like just keep going into a wall that would end up killing them. Like what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was hard to tell at times what you were supposed to be doing. But yeah, that was a really cool aspect of it too. And I guess I yeah for me the big thing is I just bemoan that weird games like this don't exist on a as big a platform as as they did in this time. I think that's the one thing that I like that stands out to me the most about Echo as a whole is that um, you know big studios, first party studios like Sega and and Sony embraced a game like this and invested in it right and yeah. released it under their banner. And for Sega, they did this over multiple generations, which I think is is really cool. And um, I kind of bemoan that, that that's mostly now up to the indies, um, which is, I mean, it's fine, but it's lacking that prestige investment um, that you get from, from a big studio backing a project like this. Mm-hmm. And that's the, 100, that's the sixth generation as a whole for me. I think it's the last truly weird generation where the first parties were like the big publishers were involved in it and that's why my list was mostly dreamcast titles because i think the dreamcast was the last truly weird console um 
that that existed up until the switch now but the switch again is mostly just the indies being given free reign but the dreamcast was sega pushing a lot of weird stuff out there not just this game but like seaman and space channel 5 and crazy taxi and there's a truck driving game for crying out loud. yeah yeah definitely like the i mean there's still i think some some first party support with like stuff like that doesn't necessarily take chances because obviously it's it's super marketable like last of us and um uh uncharted and stuff like that but there's not yeah not these like chances like you're saying hopefully it happens again uh hopefully video games get weirder again and hopefully we have more dolphin exploration games in the future (laughs) for my sake at the very least well i mean like steam has like a lot of their um indie games that can get developed or get funded through or what is their green light the green light yeah called? yeah like that that's pretty cool so hopefully we, we can start to see more more projects that will stay afloat or, or keep going through that way like Kerbal space program i think was one of them yeah that's a weird game and it like, is. <laughs> on its face you wouldn't really assume that it would get um a lot of backing but there's a lot of people that play that game yeah so i hope any prospective uh video game developers listening to this Please make Echo the Dolphin. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give you $35. All right. Well, thanks, Joseph. Uh, Thanks for talking with me about Echo. Once again, as as we've been doing since high school, I think finally I, uh, I broke through to you how great this game is. Yeah, and with that, we can close the book on it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not if I have anything to say about it. All right. Thanks, Joe. See you next time. This is the Irrelevant Podcast Network. Thanks for listening.